everybody, and welcome back to the Batter Podcast Gaming and Variety. Today we have a special guest, Kenny. Say hi. Hello. How are we doing? Um, we have a little bit of a mix of things to talk about today. And sorry that we've been delayed. Um, yeah. I had renovations going on in the house, as I let you guys know, but then when I got my room all set up, my pinched nerve flared up, and I've been battling pain and sitting in a chair for eight hours and trying to record or stream anything beyond that was past my the past my pain threshold. So, but we are back, and it's getting better slowly. I'm still like little bit of pain but like it's bearable not like i want to rip my arm off pain <laughs> Those are always bad. yeah because like it's the nerve that where my shoulder entrap me and like is so it's the bottom of like the top of the cervical spine so that nerve Ooh. so like it goes down my bicep and causes like weird pain in my bicep and then um, there's numbness and like a burny, fiery, stabby pain, like when it was really mad. <sighs> so. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I don't do pain at all. I don't know how I even stretched my ears if I don't like pain. <laughs> See, when I stretched, when, so it didn't work out. I ended up, side note, we'll just, we'll just have a conversation about that really fast. Uh, I tried gauging my ears. And I had like the neck size up from where I was and basically I was doing it myself and you know some people use stretchers and stuff like that I was just like taking what the thing that I was trying to put in my ear which was like a little um like a bullhorn type of thing oh. you know like what a septum <laughs> piercing looks like just to use that and then I was gonna like get cute things afterwards I exerted so much energy trying to force it through that I passed out. Oof. <laughs> no good. See, one of my, like, when I got my ears pierced, one of them goes straight through like it's supposed to, and the other one's kind of angled. So when I had papers in, one was straight back, and one was, like, sticking up, pointed, and poking me in the shoulder. And I was like, no, let's do this. I'm just going to go size to size and just grab the ring and just push it through. Bad idea. Yeah, so <laughs> at some point, my nose ring had fallen out overnight, and my piercings close up within hours, so I had to go and get it basically re-pierced, but when you want it through the same hole, they just use a bigger gauge needle and taper it, so the hole is only slightly bigger, you know, so I went through that, and... I was so annoyed. I mean, the same thing happened with my lip ring. I, this time that I have it, I've had it for years now, but it took three times in order for it to stay. The first time I was sleeping and the ball fell off of the lip, like the stud, and it was overnight. And so this, you know, the bar fell out. I didn't choke on it. It was like chilling under my tongue, like weirdest thing. And it closed up, and so I had it pierced next to it in a different spot because I wasn't sure, like, scar tissue-wise. Like, it's either not going to be painful at all going through scar tissue or it's going to be, like, 
30 times worse than the original piercing. And so I just had it pierced slightly to the side of where the original was. And that one I ended up having to have surgery. Don't remember which surgery stint it was. I'm pretty sure it was my hip surgery. And when I woke up, I had like a little, kind of like a canker sore. You know how like you have those like little bubbles in your mouth from a canker yeah. sore? That had formed over the back of the piercing in my mouth. So it was closed up. I couldn't force it through or anything. And I was super bummed out because I was like, oh, man, really? And um, and then the third time I had it re-pierced through. I'm not sure if it was the original hole or the second hole. doesn't matter. Went through the scar tissue. Was fine, easy peasy. And it stayed like this. I've had the same lip ring in for <laughs> forever <laughs> yeah. but yeah I don't know like I guess I I don't want to say that I'm used to pain but I'm used to pain you know <laughs> I get that like I just it just depends on how much pain how much I can handle it just and it varies like if it's pain from like a previous like sprain and it's like acting up it's fine but if it's like something new I'm like nope can't handle it but yeah, yeah, and it's also person-to-person -person based, right? Like, that's why, I like, when somebody complains that they're in pain and somebody, you know, that may have a quote-unquote worse pain or something like that, they snap at them. It's not, say it's not saying that your pain is any less, you know what I mean? But everyone has their own threshold, and I don't think it's right to, like, snap at somebody... In regards to like oh you got a paper cut that's nothing like to you it's inconsequential but because you've had like this barrier of things that have built up but for this person that pain is new they haven't felt anything like that before like everyone's pain and levels is different and everyone's like response to it is different and I don't think like we should be getting on each other's backs and trying to have like a competition of who has it worse because like in an ideal world we wouldn't want anybody to be feeling these things <laughs> no so that's my take on that um that. let's see what is our first topic 90s pc games Ooh, that's a good one. Oh. oh my god so i was born in 1990 so the 90s, some of these games I might not be cognizant of because there was a lot of times of games that I wasn't allowed to play certain things or didn't have access to certain things or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm hoping yeah. that like some of these games are something that you remember, but we have a an article written by cbr.com the person who wrote it is patrick arellano i probably butchered that forgive me and basically this topic is specifically 90s pc games that deserve modern remakes <clears throat> and number 10 to start us off is thief the dark project don't know this one <laughs> nope <laughs> 
Okay, so we'll read the article then because both of us aren't familiar with it. It's a Looking Glass Studios thief titles were phenomenal stealth adventures that boasted strong narratives and atmospheres. Their innovative gem system provided a pragmatic solution to the problems with first-person sneaking. With it, players could immediately see whether they were visible or concealed by the shadows. That's an interesting way of doing that. Much like GoldenEye 64, each of its labyrinthian stages boasted several different objectives depending on what difficulty players chose. While its sequel would provide further refinements, a modern update of Thief the Dark Project would be a treasure worth plundering. The less said about its far more linear and generic 2014 reboot, the better. Okay, so they tried it, didn't work, and they want it to be tried again. Looking at it, um... It's not, like, a terribly looking game. I don't know if this one is from the 2014 reboot. I kind of hope not, because those graphics are not 2014 at all. Yeah, but, like, we're in the, now, like, recently we're in this era where we're going back in time and creating, like, VHS horror games and things like that. So it's a possibility. True, um, true. The idea of the game, I kind of like. I don't know if it would be something that I stuck with trying, but it it sounds interesting. It looks interesting. Looks like medieval type of thing. I don't know. Well, it would be interesting to try it. Like the way the graphics look, it kind of looks like a a fable type game, and I. Obsessed with Fable. If I could find Fable on my computer, I would be happy. Mm, Fable was good. I liked Fable 2. Fable 3. I played Fable 3. I liked Fable 3. But Fable 2, I don't know why. It just holds a more special place in my heart. Fable 3 was the first one I played, and then I went back and... Mm. Okay, well, that, that's through. different, then. If you didn't get into the games until the third one, it's just like Final Fantasy VII, for me, is my favorite game. Some people don't like it at all. Some people don't understand the hype of it, but I was seven years old when it came out, and it was like my first RPG, first game that, like, I think I played The Sims, Roller Coaster Tycoon, some random, like, Neopets type of games. Um, I grew up playing Harvest Moon and Diablo 2. So Final Fantasy 7 was just different. Right, right. I get that. Like, with Fable 3, my, one of my buddies in high school was like, hey, I have a mission where I need to get married. Make a character that's a female and let me get married, and then you can start over with your own campaign. I was like, dude, I'm just going to play as a female character. Why, why not? Beat it with her and then beat it, like, two or three times with different accounts. And I was like, this game is great. He's like, that's all you're going to do now, isn't it? I was like, all right, Don't judge you... me. <laughs> I'm not judging you. I, I, yeah, I play different characters under, I don't know, I just like it, like, it is what it is. Did you want to let us know what number nine was? Number nine? Number nine. 
Star Wars Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight. Jedi Knight brought the Dark Forces series into the third dimension while continuing on the story. Mercenary turned hero Kyle Catran? Catran? Taking place? Katern? Who knows? <laughs> Taking place after the events of Return of the Jedi. Game pitted players against a new faction known as the Dark Jedi, who aim to bring back the Empire. In addition to the blasters that made up the first game, players could wield the power of the lightsaber. The sequel also added a karma system where Kyle's ultimate fate would be determined by how many civilian players had killed. Civilians players had killed. I actually kind of remember this game a little bit, but not a bunch because I'm a giant Star Wars fan and have been forever. Like, God, when I the watched texture the video, of the ground is yeah, it's terrible. When I watched the video, I think I remember watching my dad play this game and just letting me play around on it and when he didn't care. Yeah, I, it's not for me. I love Star Wars, but this game doesn't really scream it needs a remake. Um, if it does, I hope it happens and it's not like rebooted and, and just slightly retextured things. Like this needs a, an entire overhaul looking at it. Yeah, like if they could redo... like not rewrite but like modernize it maybe yeah. throw in a couple characters that are because it's around the events of return of the jedi throw in like hints of other characters of that movie yes i would agree definitely bring in some aspects of the movies to the game instead of it just being like its own standalone yeah for sure. So number eight, we have Ultima 7, The Black Gate. Ultima 7 was a culmination of everything Richard Garriott and Origin Systems had been building up to with their RPG series. It saw the Kingdom of Britannia under the control of an insidious cult known as the Fellowship. It was up to the Avatar and his party to expose this threat and thwart the ambitious ambitions of a dark deity known as the Guardian. Ultima 7, the Blackgate's new gump system, gave players a greater level of interactivity with their equipment while the combat shifted entirely to real time. The darker and more intricate narrative was also bolstered by the incorporation of dialogue trees. I remember this game. I think it would be interesting for it to be um, remastered, rebooted, remade, whatever. Um, I love RPGs and... It was like simple, like everything's uh, guardian. It's not like some weird name. Everything's simplized. The guardian and Britannia, the fellowship, the black gate, like everything is just simplized. And I think a lot can be said for things that are done well that are also simple. Like you don't always have to go all out with things for it to right. be something special. I mean, look at RuneScape. It was just kind of these style graphics, and it is, like, the greatest thing to ever happen. Yeah, it's still going strong from what I understand, too. Yeah. So, 
and RuneScape, oh my gosh, I remember it like it was hit height when I was in college or something, going into college. That was like half my life ago at this point. Like, I was still going strong. That, that says a lot for uh, constantly updating your game to make it fresh and entertaining while still keeping its core values. Um, the community probably needs some work. I hear the RuneScape community is pretty not nice. <laughs> no. But um, otherwise, yeah. I say RuneScape was like my seventh and eighth grade year in school. I had a buddy that would skip football practice every night and play. If it was a night that it wasn't going to be like the position practice for his position, he would skip. And our coach would be like, okay, where is he at? And we're like, hey, he's playing RuneScape. He went to his house oh, and was like, dude, you need to go to practice even when it's not your night. He goes, but RuneScape. <laughs> it's like, dude. And this kid wasn't like a super nerdy kid. He was kind of like a, a thugaboo type kid. And then when it came out that he played RuneScape, his life was over. It was it was kind of funny, but at the same time, I felt bad for him because it's like his social status went from high up to down at the bottom, and I was like, "That's okay. You can hang out with me at my table, and we'll talk about RuneScape all day." <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get like clicks and all that stuff like I was always the type of person who made friends with people that I was drawn to not just oh they have status or whatever right I get that I was one of I was one of those I was one of those that was like I'll hang out with the cool rich kids and I'll go hang out with these kids that don't have anything because I'm there you know I'm in I'm like in between like I have friends that are high up in the social status, and I have friends that are super low. I, I, I can go from talking about this subject to geeking out about anime and manga. Yeah, just, like in high school, it was the same for me. I was welcome at every table, popular cheerleader football table. I was friends with them. I mostly sat with the goths and emos because it was a more chill area, like... I could just relax at lunch instead of, like, listening to gossip or drama or whatever. I could just, like, draw or just eat my lunch. And we all just sat together, but we were all just, like, quiet. (laughs) And I liked my quiet time. (laughs) (laughs) And they were always the ones that had the best music playing in the hallways, too, when everybody was like, don't play music, and it's like, we know they're coming and they got good music taste. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. All right. What's number seven? Wing Commander. I remember this game. I, I didn't too. play this game, but I remember this game. Each of the Origins Wing Commander titles pushed boundaries of flight-based gameplay and storytelling in the PC gaming scene. Players manage their aircraft's weaponry and chose their preferred wingmen. Depending on how missions went, the players could lose these trusted allies in battle. Oh. With its matching narrative and performance by the likes of John Rise, Dave's, 
And Malcolm McDowell, Heart of the Tiger. I don't know why I read that as McDonald's. (laughs) 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 Widely regarded as the pinnacle of the Wing Commander series in many ways, it was the world of more cinematic gaming franchise such as Naughty Dogs Uncharted and The Last of Us. Hmm. I remember this game very well because we had the... When... PCs were all that funky brown color that becomes like a nicotine yellow after like 10 years. <laughs> Had the little joystick that looks like a like the flighter pilot's joystick. We had that and that's what we used to control it and it was fun because it was inverted and down was up and up was down. Hmm. The ultimate brain hurting. Yes, and that's why I hate inverted play today. <laughs> Yeah, being five and six going it's going down when i push up what is this yeah i can't i'm like mm-mm. nope not for me my dad would be like stupid you're going down i'm like i'm pulling it up what's going on he's like it's inverted i was like i don't know what that means i'm seven <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> uh, that's funny yeah i nope inverted ain't for me no I have a cousin, that's all he plays on. He'll play, he plays on controller, and I'm like, hand me that controller. You're not doing it right. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, you play inverted. Never mind. Leave me alone. Take it back. <laughs> I don't want to play no more. You can fail all you want. <laughs> right. Like, nope, none of that for me. Number six is this Dungeon Keeper. And I'm like, I feel like I know this game, but like, I'm not sure. So Peter Molyneux is my Molyneux, my best guess. Final title at Bullfrog Productions was a darkly comedic strategy game that allowed players to channel their inner evil overlord. And I read that as overload. So bear with me, guys, who are listening to this podcast, because it's going to be a long and funky one. In a sardonic deconstruction of the usual fantasy formula, Dungeon Keeper players were tasked with constructing and managing a dungeon while staving off those pesky heroes. Dungeon Keeper saw one sequel before largely fading into the midst of time. A remake could provide a nice atonement for the disgrace that was the mobile reboot. Oh no. <laughs> One could argue that its incorporation of pay-to-win microtransactions was faithful to its malevolent source material, but it didn't translate to fun gameplay mechanics. And that's to be true of, like, 99% of the pay-to-win things. Like, if you're playing a game and somebody paid to get some OP weapon or something, then you're pushing people away from playing the game further because you don't want to have to pay to to play the game like if i'm paying for the game outright whatever it costs i don't want to then have to put in more money to play the game further or do well in the game you know like if we're talking call of duty i don't want to have to buy water (laughs) right like i don't want to have to buy a gun just to keep up with everybody else who's playing like i just want to be able to use like base gun and skill not some op mechanic and i in pay to win no pay to play 
yes in some aspects like I'll pay for cosmetics like if it's a super fun game that I'm putting a lot of time in and you've come out with a really cool cosmetic don't make it cost an arm and a leg because I'm gonna buy more if I like them and you keep coming out with stuff like that so I'm well, not I... mad about like adding in like things that cost money it's just don't make it run your game because you're it's just greed because you should be pricing your game at a price that's gonna make you a profit and at 70 bucks for most new games yes i i agree 110 percent like microtransactions killed it especially when they started doing it like guns that were un unobtainable in the main game and then they were better than the guns that come out in the game, which made me mad. Especially like the Peacekeeper in Black Ops 2 or 3. I don't remember which one it was, but when that gun came out, it was like the only gun anybody used, and it was like outrageously expensive for that pack. I was like, it's stupid, but I'm buying it. <laughs> it's like, I like the way that Fortnite started out with their cosmetics. Like, mm. it was cheap for all their skins and stuff, and then they just inflated the price of them. Right, yeah. This game, like, this game would looks like it should have come out on mobile and stayed on mobile, because, no. <laughs> I think I it could do really well as a mobile game. Oh, yeah. Like, so I think I that, honestly, it was the pay-to-win microtransactions that killed it. I can see that. For sure. Like, because when I watched the video on this, when we started was gonna do this before like i was like that game would have been perfect if it would have stayed like if it was mobile and not a pc game that would have that that game would not have been fun to me sitting at a computer for hours playing it no it's something you open every so often on your phone you know pooping or waiting <laughs> right. on something like yeah, for sure. Waiting on your oil change, it's like, that's something to do, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like these games where you have to be playing, like, every second or you lose out. So, like, on previous episodes, we talked about, like, games like Rust. Like, if you're not playing, you're gonna possibly lose all of your stuff because you're gonna be infiltrated and stolen from. I don't like games like that. I like to be able to take my time and you know, go back to it when I have time because I work a full-time job. I stream. I have a podcast. I have a relationship. I do a lot of things and I don't, and I have ADHD, so I can't play the same game all the time every single day. <laughs> right. That's where like Ark, that's where Ark killed me. Like I would have a server with friends and cousins and we wouldn't play for days at a time and we would have got we got raided two or three times and i was like this is dumb mm -hmm. sorry my kids in the background coughing that's okay i hope they're okay yeah her allergies are messing with her ah well that brings us to halfway down the road number five. Oh, that's ironic i didn't even read the whole title <laughs> <laughs> oh it's sam and max hit the road Mm -hmm. LucasArts was 
responsible for some of the finest graphic adventure titles to ever grace the medium. The first two Monkey Island titles were remastered. Eventually, while Tim Schafer's games were uploaded at Double Fine Productions, unfortunately, several, several other classic titles such as Sam and Max Hit the Road have yet to receive this treatment. Hmm. I don't remember that one at all. The dog makes me think of McGruff the crime dog that they taught us about. Don't do drugs. Yep. That's all I can think of when I see that dog. And it's based on comics by Steve Purcell. And the game followed the delightfully subversive dog and rabbit duo as they travel the country looking for an escape to Bigfoot. The side-splitting dialogue was bolstered by first-rate vocal performances and cinema-worthy animations, and the thumbnail for a video introducing it is a dog is saving a woman that's tied up in rope and has a padlock attached to it, which, like, you can just cut the rope, so that was an odd choice by the villain, but <laughs> maybe it's one of those games where logic doesn't match. Who am I to judge? Right. Like, did they um, take inspiration from Looney Tunes? Maybe, because the art style is kind of in that, like, guise of things. I do love the art style. Like, I would love for this to be remastered just by the look of it, because I'm a very aesthetic person, and I think that I would be drawn to it, to play it. Um, the, the description does absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> no. So... <laughs> It kind of gives me how they, <clears throat> like how they did the Fallout games. If they remastered the how they remastered the Fallout games, kept that kind of art style that they used in the originals, and just modernized it a little bit. This would be okay if they did that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I noticed that with the Fallout games, like since we're talking about the art styles, like they didn't change it; they just modernized it. With graphics and I love it. This would look. This would be fun. I think. I've never heard of this one, but I think it would be fun with a remaster. Yeah, I agree. All right, where are we? Number four, Quest for Glory. Sierra's Quest for Glory titles were interesting blends of RPG and graphic adventure titles. Players choose between three different classes that all sported their own unique skills and side quests ensuring that one playthrough was not enough to see everything the games had to offer. Quest for Glory players could even import their save files to a subsequent Let me start that over. Quest for Glory players could even import their save files to subsequent game games years before BioWare would implement a similar feature in the Mass Effect trilogy. Remasters of these titles could update the visuals, add new quest lines, and even address the game-breaking bugs that plagued entries such as Shadows of Darkness. I don't think I've played any of these games, but I do like that it has a lot of playthrough value with like the different characters and different endings and different like skills and all that stuff to explore. And I love a good side quest. Like, I've been playing Diablo 4, and I've barely touched the main campaign, but I've done so many side quests. See, and that's one thing I love about games like that. 
like RPGs is you can do all the side quests and get super overpowered equipment and go through the main story and then you can always go back and replay the main story and take your time. Yeah, like everybody I know is like grinding like, oh, I'm on Act 3, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, cool, I'm level 25. Haven't really... I've done like one part of Act 1. <laughs> So I've just been, like, exploring the map, which is what I normally do. I, like, like to see kind of... And the graphics are beautiful for Diablo 4, too. So I'm just like, ah, oh, so pretty. <laughs> yeah, I've watched people play it. I just haven't played it because of uh, money. <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend <laughs> bought it for me. And I, I, I explored the map on... Skyrim like that. I didn't play the main story quest for like a year. I went through and did all the side quests. Me either. I literally discovered every up. location so fast in Skyrim. Except for like... the top of like the world where um you meet the dragon because you had to do the main quest line to get up there. Yeah, there's like travel to this part and I was like, okay, fast travel. Mm -hmm. I talked I'm to there. everybody that had a horse and wagon. It's just like, oh, you want to travel here? Yep, let's travel here. Oh, all right, this one has a new place. We're going to go there. And then, like, I would explore the areas around where you would travel and then fast travel back and then just do that. And then all of a sudden I was just like, I have the whole map unlocked. <laughs> Oops. Number three. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. I didn't Another know this was a game, but it looks good. It looks like a PlayStation game, though, not a PC game. It does. It does. I don't, and I like that. That would be something that they could definitely mm -hmm. keep going, especially since Indiana Jones is still going strong today. Yeah, there's a new Another, movie coming out. I know. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Another LucasArts classic. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis built upon the strengths of the Last Crusade's graphic adventure tie-in and provided the best non-film adventure archaeologists had ever seen. So, the game saw Indy and his former colleague gentled lover in a race against the Third Reich to uncover lost the lost civilization of Atlantis. Wow. I love the fun of this game. <laughs> I do too. As the previous game, uh, blah, blah, as in the previous game, players had three separate paths they could choose depending on whether they relied on their wits, their allies, or their fists. With the trademark humor and qualities of the company's previous titles and the huge level of replayability, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is proof that it is not the years, it's the mileage. And I agree with that because anything Indiana Jones is great. They could just say, hey, here's a clip, here's a clip, there's a clip, there's a movie, and I'd be like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and this game seems like it was well thought out. It wasn't just put out because of like movies or anything like that you know what i mean like sometimes mm -hmm. they make movies based off of i mean sorry sometimes they make games based off of movies and it just seems kind of thrown together and not that great 
But this one seems like, okay, like, yeah, it's Indiana Jones, but it's gonna, it's gonna have life to it. Yeah, I like, I like how the, the graphics, graphics on this one looks like it's a PlayStation game and not a PC game. Because at the time, mm-hmm. the graphics were a lot different. Yeah. And that was actually, this is actually a clean looking graphics. Mm-hmm, Yeah. It's definitely something I would definitely grab and play. Yeah, I'd like to see a remake of that, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if they kept the graphics the same. It would have yeah, like a nostalgic feel to it. Yeah, I agree. Number two, Star Control Two. For Star Control Two, Toys for Bob completely eschewed the strategy elements of the original title to put a larger emphasis on narrative and conversation trees. Players were tasked with saving the Earth from the wrath of the malevolent Urquan, menaced by gathering resources and forming alliances with different species. Players could channel their inner Starfleet captain and act as a diplomat to diplomat to several different planets with their own cultures and philosophies while the game saw a spiritual successor of sorts in star control origins legal entanglements prohibited the use of any lore characters from the original games Ooh, that's not rough um it just sounds like no man's sky means like star wars with like a little bit of galaga thrown in galaga was the feel I was getting for this one when I watched it or when I watched it earlier I was like yeah that's um definitely those three just kind of had a baby <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh it's not for me it no even if you upgrade you looking at the graphics it needs a complete rehaul and with not being able to use lore and characters from the original games as nice as a reboot would be, I don't think that it would be able to stand the the society and gaming crew and area like we kind of inhibit right now. Right, and if they have any fans that were obsessed with this game, they'd be like, what is this trash? Give us our game back. <laughs> right, like, like, leave it dead. <laughs> yeah. They pull in their canes up and everything. Leave it dead. <laughs> Can't play it on that computer anymore. Leave it dead. Right. Okay, Grandpa, go back to sleep. <laughs> that's how I guess that's how the next generation is gonna be with us with Call of Duty when they like remaster Black Ops Two and stuff like that, and we're like, ah, oh, the good old days, and they're gonna be like, okay, Grandpa. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Because, like, I'm going to still be gaming until I can't game no more. (laughs) Right. I'm going to be that old man in the nursing home. They're like, what do you want? Oh, just bring me my bong and my switch. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm 33. And the thought of not gaming doesn't cross my mind. Like... It's just, like, a part of who I am. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I, when I took my little bit of a break, I was like, man, I miss playing games till 3, 4 in the morning and then complaining I'm tired at work all day and then do it all again the next night. <laughs> yeah, it's different, like, waking up and being tired just because versus, like, 
you know what? I'm tired, but dang, I got to play something really fun. <laughs> right. It's like I got to play with my friends. <laughs> right. And yeah, as an adult, adult it's, weird. <laughs> it's so hard to, like, get everybody together to play. Right. And then they're like, well, you don't even know that person in real life half the uh, time. It's like, that's okay, they're better friends than I know in real life. <laughs> right. Like, my dad, not too long ago, said that he's worried about me because I don't go out. And I was like, I go out when I want to go out. He's just like, yeah, but you stay in your room all the time. I was like, yeah, and I stream and I game. And I do things that I enjoy. And he's just like, yeah, but everything's online. Like, you should go out and see people. And I'm like, I do. But that doesn't negate the fact that the people that I talk to online actually mean something to me. He's like, yeah, but I just don't want to see you lonely because everything that means something to you is online. And I'm just like, I think you're projecting, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I know people from all over the world now, and I wouldn't have done that if I would have, wouldn't have started doing what I'm doing and staying inside. <laughs> right, and like, I have open invitations to visit so many different people in different states. It's just like getting the money to visit those places, obviously. And being in a long distance relationship, like it's hard because you're, you know, when you are able to take time off, you want to spend that time with that person. So once we live together, then we'll be able to travel so many different places. And we already have like so many places that we want to go. Bucket list. Right. <laughs> travel bucket list. It's like with our industry it's kind of one of those things it's like we do get out and meet people we we go to conventions we go to lands we we do different things it's just we're the the the, the, so that's like, the computer screen social not yeah Hi, and that's the thing me. No. is that no, my no. dad is the type of person to go out and be social like that's his thing is going out and going out places going out for food and drinks and and i like doing that from time to time but i like being home like it's not it's not depression i'm comfortable at home i do things that i enjoy i go out with my friends and do those things too but for me it's physically and mentally exhausting going out and spending x amount of time with other human beings like it it just it's not for me long term <laughs> that's why right, i'm glad like, i have a job that i work from home <laughs> see i wish i had but i would still have to do something where i would have interaction with people over the phone at least i'd have a button where i could just push it and mute say what i want to say and then just keep going with the normal conversation <clears throat> Well, I work, I'm a, like basically a call center person. I, I take calls all day. So I'm always talking to somebody on the phone. Like, that's nice. my job. <laughs> There's another person that I know in the community that's a call center, and they actually work for the company I work for. Oh, interesting. Doing their customer service. I, I, I didn't know that until I was talking to him in a group chat. I was like, dude, if I ever get you for a call... We're just going to act like we know each other <laughs> and carry the conversation and just not work. <laughs> well, that brings us to number one, which is technically a duo. 
Fallout 1 and 2. <clears throat> the first two Fallout titles from Black Isle really pushed the envelope in both storytelling and mechanics in an RPG game. Or in the RPG genre. The nuclear rate... La 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 Ravage <laughs> setting <Blake>. provided <laughs> one of the most engrossing worlds to explore inhabited by endless fascinating characters who all sported their own distinct personalities and agendas however gamers who are more accustomed to the fully whatever that word is polyagonal uh, <laughs> world featured in bethesda's titles onward have voiced their polygonal polygonal yeah all right, preservations with the <laughs> that word <laughs> isometric. Yep, isometric. Rendered. Rendered formula in the originals. Wow. Full remakes of Black Isles games could provide old and new fans with the best of both worlds. And I, 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 I love Fallout. I have always loved Fallout, and. These two games do deserve a remaster. They don't need to change anything but just a little bit of the graphics. That's it. <laughs> I have basically only played Fallout 76. So um, I would be more inclined to play Fallout 1 and 2 with a remaster. Like if I was able to like get an emulator or whatever and play like the older version, I wouldn't bother. Um, even though this the, game came out two years after I was born I still remember playing it and I love it and I will always have a thing for Fallout <laughs> right I mean that's that's that too right so if they ever come out with a pack of all of the Fallouts it will be downloaded on my computer I will go buy a new hard drive just to download it <laughs> I was actually thinking about Fallout the other day I was like man I want to play Fallout I haven't touched fallout forever i told one of my buddies and he's like use your xbox i was like nope I want it on pc it's like but i don't want to buy it <laughs> well, all right well that was that one um, so the next topic was a very heated discussion that I had with some people. It was, um, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a question that plagued my brain for quite some time. And I was like, why did it plague your mind? I don't know. I don't know if it's some sort of like tism thing or ADHD or what, but it was like a nagging question that I always wanted to ask, but my anxiety prevented me from asking it until like, I was like, you know what? I want to know people's opinions. And this, God damn it, you people are psychopaths. The question was, for the glasses wearing people out there, do you take your glasses off when you blow your nose? Or do you leave them on? Every single time, it does not matter if I am sick and I need to blow my nose or wipe it every two seconds. My glasses come off of my face 
I hate smudges on my glasses. I hate specks on my glasses. My eye focuses on them and I just can't function <laughs> with that. And like, it gets in the way. Like, I want to make sure that I have a nice cup around my nose when I'm blowing it. And my glasses, I have to lift them up. If I'm lifting them up to blow my nose properly, then why wouldn't I just take them off my face? Exactly. I agree 110%. <laughs> if you blow your nose with your glasses on, you are a psychopath and somebody needs to tell you. And I will be that person to tell you as a glasses wearer myself. It's so it's off. just me, you, and my boyfriend that take our glasses off. Granted, he wears contacts a lot, so he doesn't have the issue as often as you and I probably do, because I have my glasses on unless I'm basically laying in bed to go to sleep or resting. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're on my face. Um, my sister has, like, chronic nose issues. She keeps them on. That would drive me insane. Also, she's a psychopath because she'll just rinse her glasses under the water and wipe them off with, like, a paper towel. And I'm like... You're scratching your lenses. <sighs> it, and, like, she uses her... So, she'll have smudges. She'll run them under the water and use her fingers to, like, wipe the lenses off and then, like, dry them off with a towel or paper towel, whatever. Like, no. There you go into my second pet peeve about glasses. Smudges. Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll see a streak and I'm like, all right, I gotta find, I gotta find the cleaner and the microfiber towel. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna freak out. Right. And me, like, me and him had this conversation on Twitter, like a little smudge, dust, morsel, anything. Like even if my glasses have a scratch on them and it's not something that's basically I have an astigmatism too which probably makes my eye focus a little bit differently so like when there's a smudge or scratch or anything on my glasses my oh, eyes kind of focus like hyper focus on those things but no mm -mm. and so had a bunch of answers on Twitter Kenny said he took them off um, Stacy, aka Pocket Sphinx, leaves hers on. Levi leaves leaves him leaves his on. Boland leaves his on. My friend Luca's partner leaves her glasses on, and uh, someone named Madman leaves them on usually. It's one of my buddies, and he's a goofball. And but yeah, I had really, this circulating because really I wanted more, more, what is the word I'm looking for? Opinions. And apparently I am, me and you and my boyfriend are the minority. 99% of people leave their glasses on when they blow their nose. And I'm like. That's okay. I'd rather be the minority with snot-free, clean, <laughs> glasses. Right. Smudge-free, snot-free. <laughs> Exactly. I'll be able to see, you have fun needing windshield wipers for your glasses, okay? And I hate wearing my glasses when it rains. Oh, me too. Drives <laughs> me insane. Or if I'm by the pool and somebody splashes me, and I'm like, dude, I gotta be able to see to jump in there, and then I'm gonna hand them to somebody. My sensory Damn. thing is weird about water too. If I'm in the water being splashed, it's fine, but if I'm not in the water being splashed, I like wig out. No. Uh, and I, 
I like will do everything I can to keep my head down and like protect my glasses from getting water on them when it's raining out because I cannot stand it. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm I'm a hoodie wearer, especially if it's raining. Mm -hmm. Like I pull it up over it, and I like Kenny from South Park it, and <laughs> like all you see is like a little bit of my glasses, and I'm like I need something with a brim. Like I don't like wearing hats because I hate when my glasses get pushed and mm -hmm. raise up. So yep. I'm like, ah, just hold it out and walk around it's with my hood. currently the issue I'm little... having with my work headset is that even though it sits on my ears, for whatever reason, it's pushing my frames into my head, which is also why I get headaches. But it also hurts my ears and squeezes my ears. And I'm like, can we just not? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I hate besides having glasses in general is not having transitions i can't i, I can't I, do transition glasses they i don't know i didn't like how dark they stayed when i walked inside but i don't like the glare and stuff from yeah the i have prescription sunglasses i put those babies on because i cannot mm -mm. I feel like an old person. You know how they have those little things that clip on their glasses and they walk into the store and they're all shaking trying to take them off? That's how I feel if I had something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I forget that I had the sunglasses and I forget that I had glasses on and just throw them on and like smack myself in the face and it'd be bad. Yeah, that wouldn't be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so then the next topic was ranking Soda. This was something that just popped in my mind um, because me and my boyfriend agree on what our top soda is, but a lot of people aren't really a fan of it. And so I will ask you first, Kenny, to rate. So we just did like top, what is it, five sodas. It was basically the top five sodas that I could think of. So we have Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Orange Crush, Crush Orange, however you want to say it, and Mountain Dew. Now, how would you rate those sodas? Dr. Pepper, if I drank soda, but when I did drink soda, it was yes. Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, and then Crush. But my all-time favorite soda ever would have to be a toss-up between Ski Soda and RC Cola. Hmm, okay. Dr. Pepper is number one for me. And then Orange Crush... <laughs> I love orange soda. I didn't think that I would like orange soda. And then I tried one once and it's so crisp and it's so nice and it just hits the spot. And then it'd be Coca-Cola and then it would be Mountain Dew and then it would be Pepsi. However, when I was a teenager, I had the really bad habit of mixing half and half. Well, it was more so... Depending on my mood, it was either more so Mountain Dew or more so Pepsi dependent, but I would mix Mountain Dew and Pepsi together. Ew. Ew. <laughs> no. I like Dr. Pepper because it's, like, spicy, and I, I, I just like spicy sodas, like, when I drink them. And then Pepsi just tastes like watered-down Coca-Cola to me. It's Like, you leave a glass of Coca-Cola... And put ice in it and let it melt. Got a Pepsi. Weird, I know. And then orange soda. The only reason I drink that is because of Keenan and Kale. And Kale would go, "Who likes uh, orange soda?" Ah, yes. I like orange soda. Every time I, like, I have one, I say that. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. I my my daughter will grab an orange soda and I'm like, Kayla loves orange soda. And she's like, What are you doing, Dad? I was like, You're seven. You don't understand. Time. Time to teach your daughter. I know. I need to just like listen. This is like I was talking to her about something earlier. I think it was uh, Nickelodeon's old uh, TV shows like uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh my god, I loved that show. (laughs) She's like, is it a cartoon? I was like, no, it was real people. And I was like, there was the Amanda show and Mm -hmm. all that and Drake and Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I was like, it's all those. She goes, I don't think that was Nickelodeon. I was like, that was when Nickelodeon had an orange building, mm-hmm. and they were obsessed with slime. And she goes, "Now nah, I could get down with that." And I was like, <laughs> "Man, if you was alive at that time, you would understand." So that brings us to the Super Mario movie, which is now available to stream from home. And there was a lot of negative reviews about it in the choice of cast. There was, like, a lot of controversy with that. Because they were like, why is he going to be Mario? Not going to lie. My mother really wanted to go to the movie. And we went and saw the movie. And I loved it. (laughs) I've never seen it. I've just seen bits and pieces. Because people on TikTok are like, I'm going to cut up a movie and show everybody. And I'm like, I love those people. It's really good. So the Super Mario Bros. movie will become available to stream on Peacock and Netflix later this year, while the physical edition of the film is scheduled for release on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, Blu-ray, and DVD on June 6th. So it's out. Um, Like we said before, we were supposed to film this like a month ago. Um, But life. And uh, I loved the movie. It took different aspects of each game and incorporated them into the movie and it was really well done like I understand why people had hesitation about the cast but I could not stop laughing I loved every aspect of bringing in like they rode on the rainbow road donkey uh, donkey kong's family like every way that they integrated everything and top marks to princess peach being a badass bitch who holds her own and stands her own ground and she don't need no man like mario (laughs) was just her assistant she wasn't like relying on him at all it was really good really good and they told her backstory too like where's her parents she was adopted by the toads like, it was so good. So good. I really recommend it. Like, I, I can't wait to watch it because I love Jack Black. And when I found out that he was the voice of Bowser, I was excited. And hearing he does his song, a song. Peaches, mm-hmm. Peaches, Peaches. I love him. I, I love Jack Black. If I ever got to meet him, I would, I, I would be the happiest person alive. And then he gets to play my favorite Mario villain made me even happier yeah it it was really really good and i think your daughter would like it too so you guys could have like oh, a... she's seen it with her mom and she uh, told me all about it and she's like dad you play mario on your switch and i was like yes i do and she goes i seen the movie and i was like 
I brought you into this world and I will take you out. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> he was <clears throat> she's my future little gamer and I know she's she's loving it. <laughs> Love that. Teach them young. Yeah, right. I got her addicted to Pokemon. <sighs> Love Pokemon. That brings us to our last topic, which is the darkest survival games ranked. So this article ranks them. Uh, there's going to be, there are a lot of games that I'm familiar with haven't exactly, not all of them I've tried personally, but I've watched a lot of people play them. And I do have opinions. I will say that I don't know the first one, which is We Happy Few. Like, the the cop and everything, it, it I've seen it, but I'm not familiar with it. So I guess it can stay at 10, because, like, whatever. Um, basically, it was a game that was hyped to the moon before its launch because of how similar it felt to the Bioshock series. It failed to meet the hype unfortunately and released with a lot of bugs and it's pretty stable now and it's fun for players who are willing to look past its floor it doesn't really say anything about the game particularly graphics wise it looks okay but i don't know not something i'd be willing to try no it looks like they tried to copy bioshock a little too much and got ahead of themselves and overhyped it because of the way it looks yeah, know. and that's exactly it's how it apparently it did. like they tried to Tim Burton style mm. this game and butchered it. That's a possibility. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be it's a it's supposed to be like a horror game, so they're like, oh, Tim Burton, kind of not really scary but creepy, you know. Yeah, they missed the mark somewhere. Not really sure exactly. Can't peg it down, but. Looking at it and hearing about it, just something about it just doesn't do it for I, me. Because I can see the kind of dystopian look that they have going for it, like the Bioshock series, you know, it's like a dystopian world after a nuclear event where it's got this oldie type situation going on, but like modern technologies. Mm-hmm. And I see it, but this is kind of like Tim Burton-esque, and I don't like it. And they I tried love to Tim yeah, no, yeah, yeah, trying to be, and it's not. <sighs> so number nine is The Long Dark. I have not played it yet, but it is on my list to play because I heard great things about it. So this takes place in the frozen wilderness of Canada. The Long Dark is an unforgiving survival game where players must fight against the elements and deal with dangerous wildlife. So there's a story mode, and you control a pilot where you crash land after a geomagnetic storm causes the aircraft to go haywire. The game is immersive, has an immersive atmosphere and emphasizes on core survival skills. So it's like an ultimate survival game because it's putting you into this immersive, snowy environment and I don't know, like I've heard really good things about it. I haven't tried it yet. I've downloaded it going to try it looks really good uh i was very intrigued when i first saw it by like the description and the overall like 
images of the game? The looks of it, it kind of gives me like Dead Island vibes, and I love it. Just without the zombies. Yeah, I can see that. Like the graphic style is like Dead Island 1, and I love that. Like, and it's clean. It's clean, it's clean. graphics. I love me a crisp, clean graphic. <laughs> like, playing this on ultra settings would be beautiful. Mm-hmm. It'd be like yeah. a movie. Yeah. So I haven't played The Forest. I watched Call Me Kevin, the YouTuber, play it, I think. I like how the details in the Bic lighter. I like that. I can't I remember if Mark or it. Jack played it. I feel like they did, but I'm not sure. Um, this game is crazy. This is a very unfor like it says the long dark is unforgiving, the forest is unforgiving because the cannibals that the can- mutant cannibals who come and attack you are like creepy and crazy and like there's like different versions of them and Man, did I get spooked when I was just watching someone play it. So, I don't know if I could play it. Um, They do become more aggressive and stuff. And you have to, like, go into caves. And you don't know exactly where they're lurking. Because you have to gather materials. For days? Hmm? Jump scares for days? Oh, yeah. um, Yeah. I forget. There was one part where whoever I was watching was in a cave and they went to go get something and like this freaky baby type of mutant cannibal scared the ever living hell out of me and I was just like nope I know this game is not something that I can play (laughs) and survive it makes me think of something that I seen on a playstation I don't remember exactly what it is but it's a game that you that I watched my cousin play at his house on PlayStation. Uh, I'll think of it after the podcast. <laughs> Generally, that's how it goes, yeah. Yeah, the graphics are really nice in this game. Things seem to be more on the realistic aspect of, like, surviving as well. So I do recommend the game if you're into that type of things. I just, me personally, I'm a bitch when it comes to scary jump scare things. And somebody getting in my face and, like, trying to eat me just doesn't lighten up my day. Like, they, I, 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 I would probably give this game a, from what I've seen of it and from what I'm looking at on the website, it they did a really good job with the details. I want to try this one. And I it, this is a dumb little detail that my ADHD just pointed out. Mm. The lighter is, like, spot on. Like, looks like a real Bic lighter. It's just the logo is on the wrong side. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. Probably they, copyright the, issues. The, yeah, yeah. But the little details that they that the creators of this game and the devs did, perfect. I like it. Yeah, it goes a long way. People undercut like the little details, but it really does go a long way. So number seven is Daisy. I love this game. So Daisy, if you are unfamiliar, is a game that initially started as an Arma 3 mod before transforming into a standalone title. Players are thrust into a post-apocalyptic world overrun by zombies where they must scavenge for supplies, build shelter, and fight off both zombies and other opportunistic players. 
So basically, it's like Rust, but with zombies, because I don't really know how Rust is. I haven't played it. Um, and like I said before, I don't normally like these types of games, but it's dark and unforgiving. You go through real day and night cycles, and if you don't have light, it's pitch black, and you cannot see. Like, you cannot see. You can, like, there are options for you to change, like, um, always day or, you know, fast forward through it and everything like that. But if you're playing the game at its base and core values, you go through day and night cycles. And and then the, then you're going to get jump scared, right? Because if it's night and you're holed up in a house and you're not paying attention, the zombie's going to get you and you lose your things if you die. You can go back and collect them, I'm pretty sure. That is, it, it is that aspect of a game where if you die, you are able to. Um, but you always spawn in the same area, so you could be miles away from where you died. Yeah, that Daisy and uh, Resident Evil, my first introduction to zombies. Mm. I love Daisy. Yeah, it's a good game. It really is. It's better uh, to play uh, with friends, though. I oh, will yeah. say that. Like it any is game, a, like it's yeah, survival like this is best played in a group of at least four. If you like the difficulty of doing it on your lo uh, on your lonesome, this is a game that you can do that with because it's very hard. Yeah. But if you're looking to like fuck around with your friends and and just like whatever, then this is a game to play with friends. Um, side note, the last time I played DZ was a long time ago, but I was playing with a friend and uh, he was, we were playing for hours and I, I took an edible or an ate, I ate an edible and it didn't hit me at first. And I told him 30 minutes into it, I was gone, bro. Gone. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I was half asleep I, because for edibles, for me, they make me sleepy and like really comfortable. Like it takes my <laughs> aches and pains away. And so I was laying in bed playing because that's how I normally play games on my Xbox. And I was just like sunk into my mattress, so comfortable. And I'm like, I'm falling asleep. I was like, yo, are we close? Because he was taking me to this one area that he wanted me to be in because it was like we I forget what we were doing but we we're going down the power lines and we were trying to get to this one area before there was like a pack of wolves on this road and <laughs> I swear to god like I think we were playing for like 10 minutes to get to this area it felt like an hour to me I probably was annoying the shit out of him that he was very patient he didn't like say boo about anything I was just like, are we there yet? Nope, just a little bit further. Are we there yet? Like, I was like the child in the back when you're traveling somewhere. Like, I was just like, I need to go lay down. But I wanted to get to this place because I was just like, you know, I don't want to not be here and then not know what I'm doing if I decide to load up and he's not playing or whatever. And so <laughs> I was like blasted. Donkey and Shrek. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was so bad. Why like, it's called Potter Potter Way. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, Michael. <laughs> like, it's okay. 
when we got to the wolves he's like all right we're here they're right there like don't leave this bush i was like i'm in a bush that was the other thing is that it was dark and i couldn't really see him and so like every few seconds i was like where'd you go i'm right here i don't see you i'm right in front of you oh okay you're there (laughs) (laughs) it's a good game though number six is project zomboid haven't played it want to play it it looks so much fun i've watched so many different people play it my boyfriend loves it. I don't know why I haven't played it, it's, but it's it's another zombie game because what is a survival game if there's not zombies? But you right. scavenge for supplies. There's fires that happen in the houses. The zombies can break in. Um, you are infected if you get bit and you have to take care of your like wounds and you have to make sure that you're having clothes and... You know, I think that's um, another thing in Daisy is like weather affects you and does in Project Zomboy too. And if you don't have shoes on, you can like mess up your feet. And it's just like repeated playthroughs because you die. You can try a different area. You can try a different thing. Like not for nothing. Call me Kevin does some really good project zomboid content he just really like crazy challenges and all, all the other games but i really enjoyed watching him play this game uh, especially when he did his co-op with jacksepticeye that shit was hilarious <laughs> it seems like it'd be a frustrating game though if it was one of those you keep if you would die repeatedly and you were trying different things like trying a task and dying and dying and dying and doing you you would think that but i don't know like every playthrough is different like you can start off like with in a house and have absolutely nothing of value or you can start in the house and have like everything you need to like build up you know a good whatever like base of things to have so i'm gonna have to watch some uh gameplay on that one yeah, and then you have skills, right? So Comic Kevin does this thing where he picks like the worst skills and tries to, you know, do X, Y, or Z. Sorry, I need to take a drink. <clears throat> oh, you're good. And so the skills play a huge part in your playthrough as well. Um, so Number five is Neo Scavenger. Don't know this game. (laughs) Uh, I, it doesn't, it looks like, um, seven days to die. Like the, the interface for where the items sit. It's very basic. I, I, even though I haven't played it, I would rate Daisy and Project Zomboid as higher than this game as in difficulty rating Hmm. but i guess the illnesses is something that you have to account for is a huge thing like you have like a sims type of health bar well-fed hydrated weary blah 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 type of thing going on so and then you have like conditions I don't know. For me, it doesn't look as difficult as, say, Project Zomboid or Daisy are. I don't know if the person who wrote this article played Daisy, but it's pretty dang hard. 
Yeah, what's that game that they had us playing in school? Um... <laughs> oh, what is that game called? You had, uh, you got sick and you could die before you get... Oh, Oregon Trail! Yeah, that's what it makes me think of. Dysentery! Yeah, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a post-apocalyptic style mm -hmm. Oregon Trail. Yeah. Don't Starve, I love this game. It is really hard, though. There are so many different things. You have to find your way out. Um, I, <laughs> I died like instantly one time. I don't even know how I managed to do that. I didn't play it for very long because I became frustrated with it because there's not a whole lot of direction that comes with this game, which makes it difficult in regards to like what's good, what's bad. And, you know, you have to make sure you have fire, blah, blah, blah. Like it's a hard game. There is a sequel to this, which is Don't Starve Together that you can co-op with somebody. Oh, I think co-op on this game would be much better than playing it alone. Yeah, I haven't tried it yet. My boyfriend wants to do play through. So I'll I'll see how it goes after that. Because basically if you don't have light. So there are things. They're like dark shadow creatures that are on like the outside of the map that try to come in. And they can um, snuff out your fire. Actually, I think you can have like up to four players play Don't Starve Together as well. Like It's not just a co-op like one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. or one with one type of game you could have multiple people but anyways you have shadows that are on the outside of the map and they come in and they try to snuff out your light and then if your light is snuffed out then you get torn apart by the creatures and when you die you have to start all over you don't get to respawn Ew. so it is a really difficult game number three is this war of mine i haven't even heard of this game let alone play it so not really sure it looks it looks really good, graphics, <clears throat> excuse me, graphics-wise. The game focuses on the human cost of war, as well as the moral dilemmas faced by ordinary people trying to survive. Hmm. So basically, you're a civilian trapped in a war-torn city, and you have to make decisions accordingly. I don't know, that doesn't seem really like it would be high up on a survival type of game. But, no. like I said, the unfortunately the article doesn't really discuss much of the game content itself. And I haven't played it, so I'm, I just, I don't know. So, if anybody listening to the podcast has some insight on that game, I would love to hear it. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that game too, if anybody's... Anybody wants to at me on Twitter and tell me about it. <laughs> at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> number two is Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead. I feel like I know this game, but like I don't know this game. It's a roguelike survival game that has a deep and complex crafting system. That's interesting, considering the graphics are super simple. And apparently yeah. it has a high level of difficulty because it you need a lot of strategy which makes it like the challenging and rewarding part of it the high amount of strategy required for it so they are procedurally generated worlds so each each playthrough is different which is nice 
you know, procedurally generated worlds means like every time you load it, it's going to be different. However, the learning curve is steep. So unless you're used to like difficult survival type of games, this probably isn't for you because it's really hard. Yeah, the ADHDs that the doctor told me I have wouldn't let me play this game. All 80 of them would be going crazy. <laughs> I don't know what ADHDs are, but the doctor told me I had 80 of them. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't let me play this game, especially if it's different every time, because my brain needs a repetitive cycle when I die and spawn, die and spawn. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Number one's RimWorld. I heard of this game. I didn't really hear great things about it. So it's interesting that this one's rated number one, unless it's just like super ridiculously hard. And that's kind of why it sits at number one is because like everyone got frustrated with it and quit. Um, apparently it's a harsh and unforgiving world where you have to build and maintain your community. Uh, you got storytelling, which is nice, with character development in the storytelling, which I like games that, fo like, put focus on that as well as, like, gameplay, but apparently the gameplay mechanics are super complex. Somebody, the person who wrote this said it was an addictive experience in every way, and, like, you're just a masochist at this point my guy because <laughs> this seems like a game that has a fan base like world of war yeah a all they play and they're dedicated and if there is anything that they have to get to for this game they will get it at no matter what cost like yeah it so it's like one of those that's really challenging but they have a loyal fan base that would just be like I'm mad at this game, but I'm playing it. Yeah, if, if if the person who wrote this said they're addicted to it, but failure is a common part of the learning process, which is normal for everything new, but the fact that it's saying common means that it's going to happen very often, and you're going to lose a ton of colonists before you're lucky to get a group that escapes their predicament. That's not the game for me, because that just seems mm -hmm. like you're putting hours and hours and hours and hours into work for it to maybe work. <laughs> yeah, no thank you. Yeah, I... I it's not that for aspect, me. No, that aspect of it makes me think of when I would play, like, Ark, and I would try to, like craft something or breed something, and it would never spawn what I wanted it to. And just keep trying and doing it, doing it. And it just makes me so mad I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. That, that would That's what that makes me think of, reading that. No thank you. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Well, that kind of hits the mark on all of our topics this evening. Did you have anything else that was, like, popping in your mind that you wanted to talk about? No, not really. No thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Kenny. Um, no, if you're interested no, to check out the, his content, he is a streamer. So I will link his stream and his Twitter in the podcast description. 
but thank you for joining me. It was a really fun evening and you know we got to be equally mad about the whole glasses thing take your yeah. glasses off for the love of god it takes a half a second and just blow your nose in peace and clean them clean them i don't want to stare at somebody with speckly oh, that's the worst that's the worst like if you could see their smudges all over your glasses and then you go how can you see and they go what do you mean it's like your glasses they're filthy oh i didn't notice <laughs> What do you mean? What? <laughs> I want to install the little Mercedes-Benz uh, wiper blades that they have on their uh, lights. Just <laughs> Right. Right. Like, ugh. But anyways, uh -oh. as always, thank you for listening. You can check out Kenny down below. As always, you can catch me over on Twitch or on YouTube or on Twitter. And that is the this episode of The Batter, which is episode 10, I believe. Took a while for us to get here. We were supposed to film it basically a month ago. Record it. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's late. I'm tired. And, yeah. I will catch you guys on the next one. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.